0: Thank you so much. Uh, I want to speak today about the power of friendship, the power of friendship. And uh, we're going to look at a few different proverbs in the Bible and then we're going to look at something Jesus says about it. So first, uh, proverb 13:20. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. And then 18:24. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And then uh, 27, 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. And then Jesus says this, John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. I want to speak today about the power of friendship. Friendship, are one of, Friends and friendship is one of the chief joys of life. It's the kind of thing that gives meaning and purpose and fun to life, actually. And longing for friendship is almost like it's a key part of what it means to be human in one sense we were made for friendship and over the years i've met lots of people who uh, were were frustrated with their friends who were annoyed with their friends who felt they wish they could trade in some of their friends for new friends but i've never met anyone who said they weren't interested in having great friendships in their life we're hardwired to connect to relate Um, to interact, to find, and enjoy friendship. And actually, studies show that the quality of the friendships in your life has a significant impact on your resilience, your ability to absorb pressure and stress, uh, how well you cope with the unique challenges of both success and failure. And even on a physiological level, um, I was reading last week, a meta-study of 148 different independent medical studies, you know, as you do um, on a Friday afternoon, and um, what their conclusion was that actually, the quality of your friendships impacts your body on a cellular level to such an extent that it should be viewed on a par with whether you drink or don't drink or smoke or not smoke. It can increase your protection from disease. It can decrease the likelihood of you having an acute stress reaction to a situation. And it can also reduce the likelihood of you catching a cold. Though if you have got a cold this morning, it doesn't mean your friends are rubbish. <laughs> um, that's, just, that's just the way life works. And in, in these times of uncertainty and division and polarization, maybe the skill of keeping making and keeping friends has never been more vital but it's also really challenged. I was fascinated to read uh, in the Times newspaper last week uh, this article, uh, all the lonely people are men, a fifth have no friends. And actually it was a study, uh, a a survey done by YouGov that um, 18% of men um, who they surveyed said they didn't even have one close friend. Um, It was 12% for women Uh, and that uh, 44% of men feel lonely sometimes or all the time Uh, in the US over the last two decades the number of there's been a threefold increase in the number of people who say they don't have a close confidence someone who they can trust and tell a secret to so it feels like at a time when we most need great friendship they're increasingly hard to find and to keep Um, they're so important for life friends multiply Joys and divide sorrows. When you get great news, the first thing you wanna do is tell a friend. When you're going through a hard time, you want a friend right there beside you. And friendships also have this unique ability to affect change in the world. Some of the most extraordinary things that have ever been achieved, some of the most remarkable changes to our society have been achieved by groups of friends acting together. It might be, what if the most significant thing, the most significant impact of your life isn't an achievement you attain or a position you hold, but a friendship you forge? So how do we do that? We're going to look at this now, look at this wisdom. But the first thing you see is that friendships are not neutral, they're highly influential. Uh, The writer of the proverb says, walk with the wise and become wise, a companion of fools suffers harms. Uh, Just a couple of weeks ago, I was asked to go in to speak to the sixth form of a large school in London. And the reason I was asked to go in and speak was that a number of friends at that sixth form had decided they wanted to run alpha for the people in that sixth form. And so they approached the headmaster and the headmaster had said, no and um, didn't think that was a good idea. So they went away, they thought about it, they came back and they said, can we start a Christian union? And Headmaster said, okay, yep, that's fine. And now they're going to run Alpha in their Christian union. (laughs) Um, So it's quite quite inventive. And uh, this group of friends invited me in to speak about life and meaning and faith. And when I got to the end of my talk, I took a few questions. And one 17-year-old girl said, I'd love to know what has been the greatest impact on your life. Your faith or your friends? And I thought that was a brilliant question, actually. And it was a really hard question to answer because friends are hugely influential in your life. The company you keep crafts your character. The people you spend your time with have a huge influence over how you spend your time. That's why people say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That's why it's thought that you might be the aggregate of your five closest friends. In some sense, you become who you befriend. Their good habits, their bad habits and their values sort of rub off on you. Every friendship in your life waters some parts of your character and allows other parts of your character to wither. When I started at university, I was really keen to make a great group of friends really quickly. You know, when you change school, or you change job, or you, you move to a new city, you want to you wanna find your crew, you want to find your friends that you can hang out with. And at, at my college, there was one particularly super cool group of people. They're all in the second year and the third year. I was only a first year, but they're second and third years, and they kind of ruled the college. And I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if I kind of got into that group, that social network? And then one night, in the first week, in the college bar, I just bumped into them all, and I started chatting to them, and I managed to make them laugh, and it seemed like they liked me, and so they said, Steve, why don't you come to a nightclub with us, and I was walking off to this nightclub, and I thought, this is amazing, I'm in the crew, the best possible crew, university's going to be epic, and, um, and we had a great time in the nightclub, there, there were some things about them that maybe I thought, oh, you know, they, they speak a bit dismissively of people, there's something I'm not quite happy with, but I was so excited to be with them, I didn't really care, and then, um, <laughs> and then I, I got back off the nightclub, went to bed, and then early the next morning, there was like a knocking at my, um, my, my college room door. And I, I, knew, I just knew instinctively I'm in trouble and I don't know why. And it sounded like there was a very serious conversation going on outside the door. And so I kind of got out of bed, I got dressed as quick as I could. I opened the door and there were all these senior people from my college in a little kind of semicircle around my door. And they all looked really angry and really upset. And I looked down and there were seven empty fire extinguishers outside my door and just water everywhere and they they were like well this is very serious Stephen um it's very serious to, to let off a fire extinguisher if there's not a fire and I was like yes it is and and they said we're going to have to have an investigation and the consequences could be severe and I said okay and I was thinking this is like pretty much red-handed I'm stuck I don't know what to say and they say well, how do you explain this i just woken up thinking, think, Steve, think. And, and I looked at them and I thought, well, if you think about it, if I had let off seven fire extinguishers around the college, the last place I would leave them is outside the door of my student room. Of anyone in the college, the one person you can be sure who didn't do this is me. And in that moment, I realized two things. I realized firstly, I should probably become a criminal defense barrister. And secondly, what I realized as I looked down at the fire extinguishers, this was that crew. This was like an initiation. They were like putting this on me as a way of kind of testing me whether I could be part of their crew. And I was like, I don't want to be part of this crew. I don't want to wake up with seven fire extinguishers outside my room every morning. And so quite quickly, I realised if I was going to hang out with this crew, it would end badly for me. A companion of fools suffers harm. I thought, I've got to find some different friends. They might be cool, but I don't want to hang out with them. So I found some other people who, yes, they were cool, but they weren't so focused on becoming cool that they'd lost all their warmth. I focused on people who are a little bit wiser, who are a little bit kinder, who are a little bit more real and authentic. And some of those friends to this day are still my closest friends. It really matters who you spend your time with. It really matters that you walk with the wise. I was thinking about this because with Alpha starting, um, it's... I've always been struck by how friendships form in the alpha small group. You know, we have some food, we, we watch a film about an interesting aspect of life, and then you just you have an opportunity to discuss it in a group of 12 people just like you. And when you first come into that group, when I first ever came into an alpha small group, you feel like oh, I've got to put up a front a little bit. Because that's what we do all the time, you know, in work or on social media, we kind of put our best face forward, what we want the world to see. And then when I started to spend time in that small group, I realized actually, oh no, there's something different about this. Because people are actually genuinely interested in who I am. They actually generally want to listen to what I say. It feels like no questions out of bounds. It feels like I can almost think out loud in this group. And that's then a remarkable context for friendships to form. I mean, no one comes on Alpha to make friends. But it's amazing how when you come with a purpose to find out more about something or to think through things or because you are thinking about the area of purpose, you find friends almost without looking for them. I know a number of people who came on Alpha thinking, I do not have capacity for any more friends in my life. And then these extraordinary friendships form, these kind of authentic connections form in the small group because, because you're not there for that purpose, but it kind of happens by accident. Some of the most remarkable friendships in my life have almost happened by accident. So how do we, how do we find those friends? How do we, in a busy city? It's interesting with social media and, and the busyness of a city and mobility. I was chatting to my um, hairdresser yesterday. I've got an Italian barber, hopefully you can tell. And, um, <laughs> I was chatting to him yesterday and I was saying, how do you find it, you know, having moved to London? He said, well, it's interesting you say that. He said, I've been in London seven years and I still don't think I have a close friend in this city. This super cool guy, 24 years old. So I just just don't think I found close friends like that. Like life's too busy, I'm working hard and then I'm moving around quite a lot and I kind of left all my good friends in Bari on the coast of Italy. And it's so interesting. I invited him to come to Alpha. Um, you know, partly, yeah, because I'd love him to, you know, discover and develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. But actually, because it would be amazing if he made some real friendships like people make in those small groups. Um, he's thinking about it. He can't come this week because he's got to go and watch a Champions League game in Barcelona, as you do. But, he's, <laughs> but hopefully he might be able to come next week. And I might even get a free haircut out of it. We'll see. So... Um, so <laughs> So, so, but how do you, in a busy city, how do you do it? You know, when, you know, some people say the most number of people you can know is 150. Above that, it, on a cognitive level, it just becomes a little bit complicated. And all of us kind of have thousands, thousands of people we, we know through social media. We're meeting new people all the time. We don't lose any of our old friendships because they can always stay in touch. It's like, it's almost like our capacity for friendship is stretched to the limit. We have more friendships than ever before, but they've all become a little bit thinner, like we don't get to where we might want to go. Well, you know, friendships aren't just a nice and fuzzy thing to have. They're filled with dynamic potential. The friendships in your life aren't just shock absorbers that help you. They're springboards that help you to discover your purpose. I never realized when I first moved to London, 22 years old, how significant friends would be i never realized the potential of friends to have an impact on me through my life how by kind of hanging out together and doing things together and having the same kind of passions and wanting the same things this it would create the remarkable opportunity for things to be created and ideas to be birthed and um things to happen but you might say that's all nice that's okay great for you steve that you've got great friends What about me? I have moved to London the last couple of years. It's hard. People are busy. Talk on the tube. They think you're mad. (laughs) Where where do I connect? Where do I find these great friends? This is an interesting thing about these uh, proverbs. An unreliable friend comes to ruin, but there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Lots of people describe friendship as being side by side. So generally speaking, if, if, if you've got an enemy or a competitor, you stand facing them because you don't trust them and you stand quite far away. like You kind of keep your distance, but you want to keep an eye on them because you don't really trust them. Now, someone you'd like to be a lover, someone you're romantically interested in, you tend to stand really close to them and you face them because you're captivated by them. And the way you kind of advance that relationship is you you kind of talk about each other all the time and you say you know quite like to go out with you and they're like why fishing for (laughs) compliments because you're beautiful and you know I love all these things about you and you're like oh that's nice and then the relationship gradually develops that's kind of how it how it works but you're definitely facing each other doesn't quite work that way with friendships if you go up to someone today and you say I'd like to be your friend. <laughs> and they say, why? I <laughs> so just think you're really cool. <laughs> like everything about you. It's like, you know, they might just kind of take a few steps. It's like, oh, you seem great. I know he'd be a great friend for you. And you just kind of you see them kind of trying to find someone else. It doesn't really work that way because friendships aren't forged. Facing each other, they're forged side by side. You stand side by side with a friend, in a common enterprise, for a common purpose, looking for a common endeavor. You see the world the same way, you have the same passions, you long to see the same things come to pass, and almost as you're doing that side by side, the friendship starts to be generated and starts to form, often without you realizing it. Some of the greatest friends in my life, I didn't realize we were friends for the first couple of years. I was just enjoying doing the thing with them so much. I became great friends with people at my church in East London by becoming part of the coffee team. Like that is not in how to win friends and influence people. Like join a coffee team, no. But actually it's incredibly powerful. Because side by side we'd be trying to get the coffee ready for the service and we'd be kind of trying to make the best possible coffee we could, and we'd be scolding ourselves and burning our hands and laughing about what happened the night before and why are you a bit tired and da-da-da. And before you know it, working side by side in a kids team or in a youth team or in the hosting team here or on alpha as part of the A team, you kind of give this opportunity, this potential for a friendship to be formed without you even realizing it. Friendships are formed when you're side. By side, not when you're face to face. But then sometimes, some of you might be sitting there thinking, well, when I heard the Proverbs, you know, faith is a friend, you know, we, sticks closer than brother, you know, wise. And then you're like going through your friends in your head. You're thinking, no, <laughs> no. No, you're kind of marking them out of 10. You're saying you're a four, you're not very wise, you're really unreliable, you're flakier than a croissant. That's not good. <laughs> you know, you're, you're just going through them saying like, no, 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 no. That's not why it's in the Bible, so you, can, so you can mark all your friends out of 10. Sorry if that was what you were hoping to do. <laughs> Eject some. You might wish you had better friends but the fastest way to find great friends is to be a great friend. To be the friend you wished you had. To be encouraging. There's something about a friend who sticks close to the brother, who's side by side, that to stick means almost like to be stuck to someone through thick and thin, that that kind of relationship enables you to be encouraged, to be the most encouraging person you know, to actually be interested in another person doesn't work if you say, none of my friends are interested in me. Why would they be interested in you unless you're interested in them? To look outwards, away from yourself and to focus on other things. It's an amazing thing in friendship when someone says, I think you're great at this or you did that really well. Well, why don't you give that a go? I think you'd be wonderful at it. friendships have the opportunity to call gold out of you that you didn't even know was there, And you have that opportunity to call gold out of other people that they can't even see in themselves because you're genuinely interested in them and you long for them to succeed. You know, friendships give you the opportunity to hear hear feedback. Uh, It says, faithful are the wings of a friend, but many are the kisses of an enemy. You need some people in your life who are going to say things to you that you don't want to hear. Now, not, not people that just point out all your flaws. That's what exes are for. <laughs> but you need some people who are committed to you and want you to get better, who care enough about you to put your relationship, almost the relationship, in harm's way and risk losing you as a friend because they want to see you thrive. You know, feedback is a gift. And it's one of the kindest gifts you can give another person. It doesn't always feel that way when you're receiving it. But it is. It's motivated by kindness and it's for your good. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. You know, wounds from a friend can feel cruel, but actually they're kind. Kisses from an enemy feel kind, but actually they're cruel because they're hiding from you what you might need to change. There's plenty of people who be nice to your face and criticize you behind your back. You need some people who are willing to confront you to your face and will defend you to the hilt behind your back. I used to know a guy years ago, brilliant guy, so funny. And he had this ability to ridicule and mock people. And it was like un- uncanny. He could do it with anyone. And it was amazing when you're in a room with him because he would, he would start ridiculing and mocking people. And even, Lisa, I probably shouldn't laugh at this, within about five minutes you're crying with laughter because he was so good at doing it. But then one day I suddenly realized, what does he do when I'm not in the room? And I thought, I know what he does. And I suddenly realized. Actually how people speak about others when they're not in the room is how they speak about you when you're not in the room. How people speak about others to you is how they speak about you to others. You want to find great friends? Speak well of people. When you speak well of people who aren't in the room, you build trust with people who are in the room because they know you're not going to speak poorly about them behind your back. That really makes a difference. And then great friends, you know, if you want to find great friends, stand firm with those who are near you. Who are close to you lots of people want to be around you when things are going well but it's hard to know if they're really for you or if they just like the view from where you are but when you hit a few rocky patches when you're in the midst of the battles you you start to work out who your real friends are and sometimes you're surprised sometimes it's not the people you expected sometimes you realize i've actually got more friends than i thought Even a text message from a friend on a difficult day is sometimes worth more than precious gems. And you can be that for someone else as well. Because success brings many companions, but failure filters your friends. You find who's really there for you, and you can be there for someone else. But it's not easy. I mean, that's the challenge of friendship, isn't it? That we, we long for it on a deep level, but we also are a bit worried about it because we, we know how much it costs us. We know that friendships cost us our independence. They cost us some of our freedom, but I tell you, that is a price that's worth paying. You know, when life gets busy, when we move around a lot, when work is hectic, you need people in your life who are there for you. You know, friendship is powerful. But where do we get the power to forge great friendships? Well, in John 15, Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And I don't know about you, I find that an extraordinary thing for Jesus to say. That Jesus would lay down his life for me as a friend before I was even aware that he existed. That he was prepared to pay a price, bear a cost to win me as a friend before I'd even taken a step towards him. You know, you might be here today thinking, I don't have a single friend in the world. But I tell you, you have today the offer of friendship from the greatest friend the world has ever seen. Just on Tuesday this week, And Will Perry, one of our team here, who who has a background in medicine, was driving towards uh, our staff meeting at church, which starts at half nine. Um, He was a bit late, so he was driving along at 10 o'clock. And he saw a young couple walking down the Fulham Road. And suddenly, the guy just collapsed. And the woman started screaming. The guy was only 13 years old, and he started to have a heart attack. And Will parked his car, ran over, called 999. And then he says this. He says, I checked if there was a pulse. There was no pulse. I checked if he was breathing. He wasn't breathing. So I started doing CPR and mouth-to-mouth. The first compression cracked a rib. I had to jam open his mouth to breathe in. Another guy came along and helped, and we did CPR and mouth-to-mouth together for seven minutes. It seemed like forever. After seven minutes... He suddenly started breathing. Life came back into his body. He threw up. I was just relieved, though, that he was breathing. Then the ambulance crew arrived, and they shocked him with a defibrillator. And within a few minutes, he was sitting on the back of the ambulance, looking around, asking why his shirt was ripped. Alive. Alive want you to put yourself in the shoes of that guy for a moment you come round you're wondering what's happened and someone says to you oh there was someone who came and did CPR did mouth to mouth for seven minutes wouldn't you want to know a bit about him wouldn't you want to find out who he is why he does what he does to thank him for what he'd done for you You know, before you knew anything about Jesus, he treated you like the greatest friend the world has ever seen. Jesus was prepared to stick closer to you than anyone else, than any brother, so close that he took all our sin, our shame in his body. Anything that would get in the way of friendship with God, he took. He didn't just comfort you, he bore wounds for you. He was prepared to risk even friendship with God he'd had before all time to find friendship with you all that before you even knew who he was You you weren't just saved from something you were saved for something you were saved for friendship when you see that Jesus came to make you his friend that though he was before all time and created all things that he came to make you his friend It kind of electrifies your soul. It kind of breathes new breath into your lungs. It kind of reanimates your spirit and your body. He came to make me his friend. And then you realize the kindest, the most generous, the most wonderful thing you could ever do for a friend, for any of your friends, is to say, come and see, come and meet this person who loves you before you even knew him who extends the offer of friendship to you though you have never met him and who longs to empower you by his spirit so that you might live a life filled with dynamic, life-changing and great friendships. In Jesus' name, amen.